This Week in Lies presents A Guide to Democracy. Hi everyone and welcome to a This Week in Lies. Uh, we're doing a special guide series this series and it's going to be the first one is going to be about democracy. Uh, if you didn't know what democracy is then we'll tell you, don't worry. What's the plan with the series though? Uh, we're going to essentially go through the good things and the bad things and then we're going to tell you if they're good or not. And then if you disagree with us then... We know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Big Terry. Do, do we? <laughs> I, I know a guy. Anyway. Good start. Yeah, good start. So the first topic is going to be democracy. And we're going to be talking about a lot of topics uh, in relating to sort of society, the world, politics, religion possibly. I don't know whether Adam could contain himself for an episode on religion. And how stupid people are. Yeah, did stop. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is, of course, democracy. It's going to be fairly informal, but we do actually, for once, have a written itinerary. You can hear it. That's the written itinerary, scrawled quickly with a holiday in pen. Uh, on Fish's very, very sparse... Meager notes. Yeah, it's all in my head, Ben. Notes, yeah. It's all in my head. Good, as long as you're, uh, you're certain of that. So the first section, of course, would be a brief definition, obviously a brief, very brief history, because it would be pretty hard to sum up all of democracy in 40 minutes, let alone four minutes which is what i'll probably give myself to do an intro so what is democracy in terms of an actual definition well according to the oxford english dictionary or another publication similar to that democracy is a form of government in which all eligible citizens participate equally either directly or through elected representatives in proposal development and creation of laws and encompasses social economic and cultural conditions that enable the free and equal practice of political self-determination what about that that's, that's a pretty good definition, yeah. though. It is a good definition. It's wordy, though. For you, uh, for you, well, for you wordies, people who like words, fish, you're one of those. The word originates from the Greek "demokratika," which is rule of the people, uh, which was coined from "demos" in Greek, which is people, and "kratos," which is power or rule, and that was coined originally in the fifth century BC. So, nice bit of etymology for you there. Is it etymology? Yeah. Good. A brief history of democracy would be. Um, obviously starting with Athenian democracy. So the term democracy first appeared in ancient Greek political and philosophical thought in the city-state of Athens during um, the classical period. Uh, and that was led by Cleisthenes, um, who is coined as the father of Athenian democracy in about 508 uh, to 507 BC. Um, Athenian democracy was pretty different from what we normally now see as democracy in terms of the actual people who could get involved were people known as citizens and citizens could only be male they had to be landowners they had to be over a certain age they couldn't be a slave and so on so it was kind of like a very selective democracy sounds like the conservative party <laughs> yeah yeah it actually does yeah. <laughs> so eligible citizens citizens were all to speak and vote in an assembly and some of them were also made to sit on the assembly and decide the laws as well um so you couldn't be a woman, you couldn't be a slave, you couldn't be a foreigner, you couldn't be a non-landowner, and you couldn't be under 20 years old. If we swept aside all of Athenian democracy and carried on with the very brief history, most of the Athenian democratic thought continues to this day in terms of suffrage, but not it just wasn't universal. That was the problem. During the Middle Ages, this did tend to change. In places like Italian city-states, such as Venice... Um, the states in Tyrol and Switzerland, Volta or Nigeric societies such as Igbo, um, and then obviously closer to home in the UK would be the Magna Carta, which was in 1215, um, and that was basically set up as a version of our own democracy, but parliamentary democracy. 
Um, the next period after that would be the Middle Ages, and Adam, being a rabid historian, would, I'm sure, quite like to have a few words on possibly the French Revolution and onwards. Well, picking through the the mire of what is the Middle Ages, quite a lot of people get killed. A lot of people get killed in wars that are pointless. Uh, you build up towards the Enlightenment, uh, which is basically everyone realising that maybe the people who sit on their backsides on thrones aren't actually put there by God. So obviously people start to question that and it puts into the relation of, well, could we govern ourselves? Why don't the people say what they want to happen? So you have the French Revolution come forward of we're going to rule our own state. Um, it's a pretty good idea. And then what happens is you have a lot of factions who want to do democracy differently. I have uh, assembly that's elected by certain people, uh, or you have a, a governor that is elected, and they elect five people who then make every single decision, and they have a vote themselves, and then you'll always have obviously like a majority, so kind of like the Supreme Court in America ruling the country. And then they just have a lot of wars over who should, <laughs> who should have what style. Um, have the 1848 revolutions, which is conservative people fighting liberal people, fighting left-wing people, fighting monarchists, and quite a lot of people die in that. And democracy doesn't really get going for a bit, but uh, after you get past you know, the 1848 revolutions, everyone starts to settle down, and what we see is parliamentary democracy today starts coming out in Europe. And then you've got the Franco-Prussian War, then World War One, and obviously the dissolution of the Ottoman and the Austro-Hungarian empires, which then mean that a lot of nation-states in Europe were at least partially democratic at that point, as in they weren't ruled by some kind of faraway central power or um, like a, a monarchy, or they were at least run by both. So like us, like a parliamentary and a monarchy at the same you, time. You've got to remember that the British Empire was perfectly democratic. We, we just like to cut costs by doing other people's democracies for them. Yeah, yeah. We're good like that. We were fairly good like that. Fairly efficient. Um, of course, then you had, so obviously, World War One and then World War Two, and the fall of Germany, and then you had the authoritarian rise of the Soviet bloc, and obviously now, what we now term as a wave of democracy or a revolution of democracy has been happening pretty much since the 1960s onwards, is a lot of command economies have disappeared, and a lot of authoritarian democracies, although they still do exist in the large parts of the world, as in, say, South America, Africa, for example. But a lot of the most developed countries have now sort of fully accepted some form of democracy, be it parliamentary um, or a sovereign monarch over a parliament or a constitutional monarchy, any of those things. They've accepted that as the kind of the done way. Um, and obviously as well, modern day, the Arab Spring is a pretty good example of people deciding, actually, I don't like these autocratic rulers very much. Somebody say, boing! <laughs> it got here in the end. It travelled all the way from Syria. There's also the development of democracy into republicanism and um, federalism. Well, yeah, and one of the big criticisms of uh, democracy would be for the federalist approach, which we'll talk about later on, which is that you should be able to have smaller groups of democracy then feed into a larger whole. Like a giant umbrella. And Adam's doing a big picture where he just drew a big umbrella yeah. in the air. A big but, America. <laughs> now the umbrella's on fire. Well, that's a very, 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 very condensed history of democracy. So it kind of developed from the Athenian style of democracy from only certain people could vote. But 
they could vote on all the matters in the state and decide the general policy. You had Polish and city-states of Italy uh, and the Mediterranean, and of course you have the Middle Ages, the Enlightenment, uh, and the fall away from the kind of um, God's right-hand man being the king. It's now actually people thinking, hmm, maybe we could elect the people who decide what we should do in the future. And then, of course, the end of World War One, World War Two, and then the eventual move into globalised politics that we see nowadays has seen a much bigger rise in democratic systems. And also a lot of people died. Yeah, and that as well. Is democracy good? So now obviously we've had a little look at the history and you can add that to whatever knowledge you already had. Yeah, very little look. We hope that you do have some knowledge of democracy. If you don't, read a book. Or you live in North Korea. <laughs> If you listen to us from North Korea, then well done. Well done on getting through to <laughs> iTunes somehow. <laughs> They've but, dug a tunnel into South Korea and have plugged their laptop in, in the south, on the South Korean side. I'm glad that we would be the dissident's choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're now going to look at if it's actually a good thing or not. So obviously to, to open us <laughs> out the point of, is it good to let people decide how their government is run? Well, what we want to decide really is take a few positives and a few negatives from a couple of questions that we've... Well, I've got a few questions. I know Adam and, and David and Fish, Fish always also has some questions that we can talk about as well. David and Fish. David and Fish or David Fisher. Um, one thing that I would like to just quickly say is kind of like a ground question. So it's kind of setting the groundwork for a general discussion on democracy. What makes one state more democratic than another? So a couple of examples that I've got. Is it the number of people who vote? So, for example, if China were to develop a full de democracy, would they be more democratic than anyone else because they had more people voting? Is it who can vote? Or is it something like turnout? Or is it something different? For me, I would say it is participation, the turnout for who actually goes out to vote. If you have a group of five people or a group of <laughs> 500 million people or a billion, mm -hmm. if they all can vote, then it's a democracy, but it's for how many of them turn out to vote. Because if one billion Chinese people, let's say, I don't know, 800 million voted, that's 80% turnout. Yeah. But let's say in a... Um, in the UK, ten, it's there's, like there's a small democracy on an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's got 10 people, nine... Turn up, then 90% turnout. So more people have had their So shape. is that technically, are they a better democracy because they've got a higher turnout rate? Um, I'd, I'd say so, yeah. Obviously, you get what the about, extremes. Okay, of, well, what about compulsory voting? Would a democracy that enforced compulsory voting be better than one that didn't, that had low turnout? No, I don't think. I think it should be your right to be apathetic and not vote. So in that case, I'm trying to use Socratic method here. I know, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> If you don't enforce voting, but you believe that a country that has 10 people has nine turnout to vote is more democratic than one that has 800 million turnout out of a billion, where's the disconnect? What's more important? That the 90% turnout or that everyone turned out but they don't have a right to be apathetic? I think... <laughs> I think if you're forcing people to vote, then you're... I think apathy is is a part of your democratic right. You have so, the right to not oh, vote. Yeah. So what about if those 200 million who didn't vote in China were voting without apathy? Were voting with apathy? So everyone technically could have turned out, but the 200 million that didn't, 
did it out of apathy and decided, no, I don't want to. I'm using my democratic right not to vote. That's the obvious point of some of them may just forget to go and vote. Some of them... In a hypothetical example. You do have to remember that in this country, uh, I think in the last election, there were eight people who weren't allowed to vote for being deemed to not be mentally fit, i.e. they turned up to the voting station drunk. Yeah. So there are some people like that. And I imagine in Australia, there's a lot of people like that. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking their sorrows as they're 2-0 down in the ashes. Yeah. You just have so to get a little dig in, don't you? Little dig in. But that's the question. If those 200 million people turned out out of apathy, didn't turn out out of apathy, technically you've had 100% of people participating. So does that make them better than the people who 90% turned out, but then the other guy was just like not interested and didn't care or didn't know about the election, which is better? They're still uh, expressing their right to be apathetic. See, no, I'm, just, I would also say that with compulsory voting, I think you would push people towards fulfilling their right to be knowledgeable if you know you're going to have to vote. Well, I'm of the same opinion. I believe that if you are expressing that voting is an important part of being part of the society, you force people to vote and you can say to them, if you don't want to vote for anyone... Just turn just up vote. and just scribble on the paper. That's your democratic right as well. But at least turn out and vote and tell us that. I would like to massively disagree. Of if you make if you force people to vote, then they'll go, "Oh, I'll go learn about who I'm voting for," because some of them will just do that. I don't agree that forcing people to vote makes people more politically informed. I think it makes them see voting and politics as more of a chore that they have to do. If they're not People interested, do that anyway, to be fair. But if they're not interested in it or don't want to learn about it, making them do it isn't going to go. Do you know what? I'm going to change my mind tomorrow, and I'm going to go learn everything about my political system. But there the are some people who just. I don't think care. it would encourage more people to do that then, and I and think the overall is, yeah. that would be healthier for the democracy because they're going to put up more informed points than not just in that. Just go. Case, my, my dad voted for whoever. Exactly. My in our case, and we're looking at the ends justify the means. So the fact that even though. Mm. We force the people to do it. The fact is that we have 100% turnout or as close to could actually mean that A, the people who actually democratically should have a mandate do get elected and B, that the people who are voting who are being forced to vote and if you don't vote, you'll be fined £100 or whatever. Some people will take that fine and some people will vote out of spite and some people will say, oh, I'm just scribbling and I don't want to vote for anyone because I don't care. But at least they've expressed their right rather than just sat at home because... The difference with apathy and someone who is just who doesn't know about the election, you can't tell that. You can't tell at the end of the day. When you top up all the people who voted versus all the people who didn't, if they've not come to you and said, I'm voting because I dis I'm spoiling my paper because I dislike the system and all the politicians in it, to the numbers, that looks the same as someone who's just forgotten or who was working during the day and couldn't get to a polling station. Well that's why we need to that's why on those type of ballots there needs to be a box of no candidate meets my requirements or meets my expectations. So, but then, so that would be a suggestion: is that you could bring out democracy that also had a box that said, "Would I'm that not worry I'm you though? Could you imagine if they put that box in, especially in this no, country? How no, many I'd people rather. would just go, "I hate every politician." But that's good. Isn't that healthy for democracy? Let's become Isn't an that what democracy state? is all about? Yeah. yeah, but I don't care because I don't like it anyway. Well, I yeah, don't like I the fact of it. So. The positive or the negative then is, what? so what is more important? Is it turnout or is it who can vote? That's Actually, I want to, for a democracy, I think it's the intelligence of their electorate. That, what, that makes a state democratic? Yeah, because if, if you have 
if it makes it democratic, as in it's actually keeping to democratic principles. Because as much as you may have, four, let's say you've got 400 decently informed people and 400 morons, if the 400 morons vote and they vote for a, a certain policy that ruins their democracy because it's, it fell apart economically or whatever, yeah. then it's, it's not good for its democracy, which makes it less democratic because it's not up upstanding. So is it in some cases that democracies can destroy themselves via uh, democracy? Yeah, it is a certain truth. Uh, Derrida you... had certain Who? ideas. Jacques Derrida, right. French philosopher, probably sat uh, outside a Paris cafe drinking coffee right. a lot, just going. <laughs> but he said that democracy is inherently suicidal, basically, because you can destroy democracy through democratic means, basically. But mm. at the same time. It can also commit suicide to avoid murder from other people, basically, <laughs> from being wiped out completely. It can sort of like trim itself back so it can spring again. That would be like a coup. Say, some people in Egypt would say the coup there is an undemocratic way to uh, spring democracy up again sometime in the future. Oh, there's the whole thing from Machiavelli, who I quite like at the moment, um, who said that. Democracy is just the whims of the people. They follow false ideas that entertain themselves, squander the reserves, yeah. uh, don't deal with the potential threats to their rule until it's too late to oppose them. They then don't have power anymore. And uh, his view that it went monarchies, uh, aristocracies, they decay into democracies, and then it decay into anarchy, tyranny, and then back to monarchy, where I, I disagree. I think it goes from democracy to anarchy to dictatorships. Yeah. Um, and why I don't think it goes back to monarchy nowadays, obviously, Machiavelli. It will have done when Machiavelli. Yeah, yeah that's, my point is... What's, so, the, what's the general which, theme of his opinion then? Yeah, and which text are you using, by the way? I think you can guess which one. The Prince. The prince. That is satirical. Yes, I am aware of that, but he does just have some points sure. in it. Yeah. Um, don't tell me about Machiavelli. <laughs> just making sure. Your degree, some English literature. Minus politics. And I that was written in Italian it. fish. It wasn't written in English, so you can't use it. It was translated into English. <laughs> I read the pure Italian version, but anyway. What's Machiavelli's no, point? Machiavelli's then? point is that the fact is democracies eventually, you let people decide things and then it just goes into anarchy because they're all So morals. Machiavelli we could probably term as anti-democratic for its own sake, maybe. Well, mm. I, I think... Machiavelli, at the end of the day, lived in a city-state and quite liked the idea yeah. that a prince ran the city-state as a unilateral force. Yes. As my opinions are going now, he's of the opinion that if you let enough, if you let people decide, eventually you'll have so many morons electing people that they'll elect morons, and then the democracy will fall apart. Because well, the quote is that a democracy, you, you, the people get the government they deserve, don't they? Yeah, and hmm. that's the idea as well. Is a democracy that if you're an idiot, you will elect idiots who will also continue and perpetuate being an idiot There's in all walks of life. There's a very good film called Idiocracy where yeah. the Americans elect a load of idiots <laughs> and that they don't have. It's any not a film, food. Adam. That's real life. <laughs> <laughs> they have. They don't have any food because they're trying to water crops with Gatorade. Right. <laughs> it's a very good film. I I do recommend you all look at it. But it, that is the problem with democracies. If it, there's no. So even though you say you got 100 percent turnout, you believe the actual people who vote are the thing that will either perpetuate democracy and make it a good thing and continue it or will eventually cause it to die in a hole. Democracy democracy in, in like the French Revolution age and slightly going forward to that where they're still 
figuring out what the state's going to be like, where you get given rights, but you have certain responsibilities, like defending the state. I, I like that because there's the link of rights and responsibilities. My big thing now is people are too going, I have these rights, but they don't actually appreciate, but it's one of their responsibilities to their democracy Society, is to be yeah. an informed citizen when they vote. Like, I can use my parents as an example. My mum and dad know absolutely jack all about politics when it comes to... Hi, Adam's parents, if you're listening. I'll, I'll, I'll let them listen to this, but <laughs> when it comes to serious political issues, they, they believe what they hear in the news or in hearsay and conversations. I've got my dad reading The Eye and The Guardian a little bit, but now he keeps going back to The Express and The Mail when he just yeah. has these days of... He's going back to his odd habits on right-wing lunacy. So these people are always going to be voting a certain way even you can present them new well, yeah evidence. they perpetuate the system yeah. that they perceive it to already there's, be there's also as everyone would know if you have me on twitter i like getting involved in twitter arguments a gent i won't even say gentleman because he was he wasn't he was an absolute moron which just perpetuates my opinion towards democracy these days said i don't have to base my opinions on facts mm. you do that's what they are the classic the classic quote from none other than Mr. Winston Churchill, and said the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average right. voter. Yeah, and that says enough. So we're of the opinion then that. Well, you say we're of the opinion. Go on, Fish. I think Fish can defend the democracy. You can defend. Yeah. Well, you said, ahead. "Oh, these people just spout stuff from the news and overheard conversations." Well, that's demo- that's not democracy as a structure's fault. That's the people who are involved in democracy who are in power perpetuating absolute rubbish. So people can't make informed decisions. They don't want people to make informed decisions. Democracy can definitely work. It's very difficult and it won't be, you know, or it won't work for everybody all the time. But I think it it's the one system. I suppose people will say it's the least worst form of government. Yeah, but Churchill said that as well, didn't he? It's if the best you wa- and worst at the same time. If you went towards news that gave people facts and let them decide for themselves, provided stats, you know, said, oh, you think that immigrants are all taking their jobs, actually. But then you're present, the presenting, a, uh, like I say, a, a different bias in the media. And the people who didn't want to or wanted to slant the facts in that way would say, well, oh, you're pandering to that side. But I would, just to add, French, going to the French Revolution is well, you know, I love the French Revolution. I'm always <laughs> going to use it as a perfect example of a country. Uh, is that the people were the democratic army. If the government started doing things or if businesses started acting in a way that weren't in way with the values, then they would rise against them and they would destroy them. And we've That's... essentially let news agencies take over our government. Big business. Big business, everything. And but... it's all gone like that. So for me people have failed in maintaining their democracy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Democracy is a structure isn't that bad, but people ruin it, basically. People yeah, ruin a lot of things. Yeah, like a, perfect, a perfect democracy, yeah, would be a, would be perfect. Yeah, but I mean, that's not going to happen, obviously. The question then that arises then is that is it always going to be a fault of humans that their political system fails? And more often than yes. not, it yeah, is. So what much. you've got to then do is actually take humans out of the equation. Because if humans ruin all things, then you can just take them out of the equation. Then you just, just have the individual. Chrissy, then? Yeah. Or do we mean robots? Well, no. All you do is... Robot it, future. It's like an equation. If it was always political system minus humans equals good, and political yeah. systems plus humans equals bad, you just take humans out of the equation and you can just look at the political system. Yeah. 
the answer, like you're saying, is the modern system that we have now is bad, yeah, because people, people have, have now become it. people have yeah. corrupted it, and people have become apathetic towards being involved. In They're it. also stupid, and people are stupid. A lot of people are stupid. We're hoping that ninety percent of people were actually, you know, informed and could make a rational decision about what to do. But another question is: Is it really realistic to think that voters can, on the whole, grasp and fully involve themselves in politics. No. I think they can grasp at least the very basic structures. Is like that if enough? You explain, is that enough? Well, I don't to think function fully. I mean, I don't know everything. I would say um, we'd all say we're very, you know, worthy voters in your ideas. But do me and Adam know much about economics? Not really. I know enough to get me through. Uh, we know enough to get us through. I mean, you'd know more than us about economics and so on. But I mean, we just we literally don't know everything. No, I mean, but there's, but, uh, there's, there's a lot there's, of people. There's no, there's no benefit to you to knowing what the expectations augmented Phillips curve is. There's no, no there's no benefit to you knowing that. That's just intense economics for a model. There's no benefit to you to knowing what the Ricardo model of equivalence is or something. That doesn't help you with your vote on whether you like the Conservatives or whether you like Labour or well, whether no, you like the Liberal Democrats or whatever. You need to have a bit more faith in people that if you sat them down and explained basic concepts, they would grasp them. My, Where's the failing then? My faith in democracy, as Benjamin will know, if I used happily, to very much happily, happily know that I defended it. Is my issue with it is to the hill. Why did you? It, why did you used to defend it? Well, it's, because it's good to know that. Well, my my other side why I used to defend it was that people should make decisions about the country that they live in. Because they have to live in those environments. Or the system that governs them. I'm mm-hmm. currently in a very... Well, I went through a very weird voting stage of how you should do a political knowledge exam. And then they would fi- figure you out on a ratio of how much your vote's worth. I then got into a few discussions with people who just... I can't say a polite word for their opinion. Destroy. It his. wasn't. It wasn't that. I did. It wasn't that because I disagreed with them. It was because they didn't. They went off assertions when you backed up your points with actual facts. That they weren't bothered. They went via inductive logic. They, they went for. I want like like the person I spoke to the other day. I want to have this opinion, so it doesn't matter what you say. Mm. So I just kind of came to the conclusion of, well, you're an idiot. So why you, why when you go to the Booth, do you have the same right as me when I actually take the time to learn about the country I'm living in to try and get as much information as I can? Why do you have the same right to do that? You're failing as a citizen. So taking it back to the Athenian democracy, adding the thing of you've got to make sure you're keeping up with the state or you're actually having the rights as a citizen but you're keeping up with the responsibilities if you're not keeping up the responsibility we strip you of that right until you learn until you keep up but you don't have to agree with me you just have to actually have an informed yeah, opinion disagreement isn't the problem it's exactly. the, the method at which you arrive at yes, disagreement I suppose but my main concern would be shutting down of any particular voices to be honest no you should have all the voices that's the point of democracy but they should all be given equal weight so yeah. the, the, the disconnect comes is when a political someone who has a political opinion can then push that political opinion on very, very high-impact mediums to people who are perceptive to those mediums. Yeah. So to the people who are very receptive to the idea that ITV News tells them this, or The Sun told me this, 
or the Daily Mirror told me this, or the Times told me this. That's where you have the problem with democracy. And that isn't democracy's fault. So maybe it is we need democracy's to, fault. Well, it's no, failed at protecting need... itself. Well, it can't protect itself. It can That's protect the itself. Democracy also. can protect itself. Demo- there's no safety in, in numbers in democracy. If you're a minority, we've, I've, said, I've used this example many times, if you're in the minority of people that like democracy against the majority of people who want an authoritarian dictator, you're going to lose via fight democracy's them. own means. But democracy should fight. This How? is what I've never understood. Kill people. Yeah. In all honesty, the French Revolution started off as a minority oh, and it right. broke people's backs and it killed people and it burnt villages and went, this is how we're doing it. And then enough people went, actually, we're going to do it that way. So you're Start. definitely an anti-democrat now. I am an anti-democrat now. Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think until people learn, democracy shouldn't be in. You can't just go around killing people. Why not? Because... Let's take the political figures of Sir, certain Joseph Stalin and... One death's a tragedy, a hundred thousand statistic. Yeah. yeah, but you can't just treat people I'm like that. You can't just... Uh, well, you just did say... I would like to add, I was saying it needs, I was using it as a point of defending itself. Of, at well, the moment, democracy point. needs to defend itself by calling people out and saying, no, that's wrong. And like we said earlier on, you get the government you deserve, and we've said well, people got it. say America do that all over the world anyway. <laughs> to be fair, so you're backing America going into say Iraq and just dismantling it and making a democracy in their vision. But well, I agree genuinely with that because I, I, I don't agree with the practices in and about human if rights people, level of people of dictatorships, well, for example. Maybe they didn't want Saddam, but maybe they don't want democracy maybe they don't maybe but they we'll want. at least give them the chance to elect the government that they do want yeah but america haven't really given them that option but that's it but again we're, we're, yeah, yeah again we're, we're we're trying to fall into the trap of debating what's wrong with current democracy rather than yeah. what is wrong with democracy as a theory but what if you want to go and spread democracy around the world and then you get to that country you dismantle all their systems say they didn't want saddam to kill them all etc but then they go in and said, oh, we want an Islamic state. Get out of our country. If they I'm elect sorry. that through democratic means, means then... That's the, well, that's and that's one of the problems with democracy. It's impossible to defend itself from its own dismantlement. So you could band together in, in a group... And this is the perfect quote here, I've got it. Um, a democracy... And this is from Scottish historian Alexander Teitler. And he said, a democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until a majority of voters discover that they can vote themselves legress out of the public treasury now. Uh, Lagress, sorry, which is money. So it only exists until they, they can find that they can vote themselves legress out of public treasury. Democracy evolves into kleptocracy. A majority, majority bullying a minority is just as bad as a dictator, communist or otherwise, doing so. And this is the key point. Democracy is just two coyotes and a lamb voting on what to have for lunch. And that's the kind of point, is that democratically, you can destroy democracy. Democratically, you can put your enemies to death. Democratically, you can bomb the Middle East. And that's another thing Mahatma Gandhi said. He went, what difference does it make to the dead, the orphans and the homeless, whether the mad destruction is wrought under the name of totalitarianism or the holy name of liberty or democracy? So my, my vision or my perception of or my opinion is that democracy is no better than any form of authoritarian government because 
And again, I'm just going to bombard you with quotes because they all followed the same thing. Charles Bukowski said, the difference between a democracy and a dictatorship is that in a democracy, you first vote and then take orders later. In a dictatorship, you don't have to waste your time voting. And and that's the whole the whole picture that I see of democracy is that if you get enough people who are like-minded, you can then just decide to oppress whoever you want through democratic means. Now, it's always going to be a risk. But just, I would say that, well, it's hard to say that human nature yeah. would be to band together because you just you're, don't know that. The, the problem is, Fish, you're against two anti-democrats here, so you are going to have a hard time convincing yeah. us. And you're not going to convince no, us. No, I'm, I'm trying to be like balance I've put a lot yeah. of my opinion but I'm trying, I do appreciate the other side having yeah. had them but my favourite one which I've basically stolen out of one of my university essays which had a lot of ticks on it um, <laughs> is uh, from Martin Lipset in 1959 about uh, education and democracy his um, analysis was that in emerging democracies he found that there was good education present um, in all of them in economics yeah, society yeah. But as a democracy becomes sustainable going forward, that the levels in education actually decrease as they're put forward. And he found that uh, a population with low intellect may not be capable of making beneficial decisions and that the uh, lack of rationality or even education is taken advantage of by politicians. Therefore, it's actually democracy limiting its own knowledge on democracy to make it easier to manage yeah because it's too difficult to manage people who know everything that's going it's, on it's pretty much impossible to get and act on every single opinion yeah. so it, it kind of has to yeah. dumb down its own intellect there's also to survive um a revisionist view of that essay by terry kaplan in 2005 actually found that the more someone learns about democracy and their own country the less democratic they become yeah which is exactly what's <laughs> happened right here with us two. Because the, the more we've... Or, well, no, yeah, it has happened. It doesn't happen in all cases. There's some people who are staunch Demo Democrats till the end. But we've both found that our opinion is that when you call the state a democracy and then you actually find out about what makes it a democracy, you no longer believe that it is a democracy. You believe yeah. it's actually some kind of mob rule authoritarian majority. And that is what it is. Nietzsche was massive on that kind of thing as well. He was like... His opinion was, why should I be constrained by the will of a permanent majority who are idiots? I have the intellect to manage my own affairs. Why should I be limited? But he also had the point of when you um, about fighting hypocrisy and the majority of when you're fighting monsters, you've got to make sure you don't become a monster yourself. Exactly. And the one problem that people take when you say that you're anti-democratic is that you automatically are a Nazi. Or you're a Nazi well, or you approve of autocratic rule, which... Yeah. I it, don't, it really depends on what your sort of end goal is, really. I mean, mine, what, mine what is Plato's Republic. Mine's Plato's Republic. Mine's, mine's a semi-democracy, which eventually becomes a democracy. So the people who actually take the time to understand... I think that'd be quite cool. Go, lay have out, a vote. Maybe and we could lay out our vision of what what your version would be. Well, my version of democracy would be that you, you have, like, caucuses, so you have discussions and people actually get a little bit more informed you actually have someone there who understands you have differing views in each of the caucuses they then bring people together you have some kind of national conversation and they fit how you don't need to have it as in a literal national conversation as in you have everyone talking about politics so that they can actually learn what is going on in the country in my utopian land the government <laughs> also actually tells the truth about statistics, um, doesn't you know lie to make it look like you can do it Yeah, <laughs> seven million pounds a day NHS. <laughs> yeah, 
But so from that point of view, you are then allotted a value to your vote. So some kind of quotient. Uh, Algebraic formula is exactly. say how many courses you attended, uh, how well educated you are. Yeah. Um, so, like, the best possible so democratic citizen is worth one, and then everyone else is on a sliding no, 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 scale. No, no. It's up 10 to 0. So, you vote against other people. So, your performance is in the courses. I give you a vote number of what I think you're. Opinion of your intelligence. Doesn't that lead opinion. to? Doesn't that lead to just another problem with intellectualism? So, yeah. So, uh, what would you say well, is te- intellectual system? Well, the view the view of that is, is you are bi- you build up enough knowledge so you can actually put forward an argument. I'm not marking your argument at ten. I'm marking your knowledge of your argument at ten. And there's going to be many more people, so you will get the average mark, and therefore that goes into a little uh, formula that then allots you a score for your vote. So when you go to the voting booth, you put in your ID number or a fingerprint or whatever, or however yeah. you want to do it. That you then vote, and your vote is then counted. Your vote is then counted into it's worth four votes, worth one vote, worth six votes. And as you keep going up, so in, before each election, you have another one of these. And I know it's it is obviously a utopian society. So you build up a <laughs> you build up the base. So the people are only worth one thing. Well, I'm getting screwed here. Next time I'm gonna learn about this and do about that you actually make the education what if they don't have the ability to education history and politics are permanent until 16 you have to do them no I mean what if as if the person doesn't have the intellect to grasp the, the matters then but they, wants to be involved well they, they are involved tries as hard as they possibly could because what everything they, they are involved aren't they they can still vote it's just their vote isn't worth as much what as about mentally handicapped people they've tried as hard as possible they get they get no voice effectively they're not no, then they're not eligible to vote at the moment. So, but say, but they, say people they have with no it's just your basic learning insane. disabilities. You're yeah. not insane, but you just have a learning disability. Well, if you have a learning disability, you can still grasp ideas. It's the problem. And it also, just to let you know, it's called special educational needs. Okay. But I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to get this thing out. But, so that thing is... You can still grasp that's ideas. It's yeah, how you actually... Is, you're necessarily... Necessarily, you, you will places. not get a 10, necessarily, because right. you're unable to... But, but, See, and that, that's where you get really, really dangerous to being called a Nazi. And I agree. And you I, are going to you are going to attract that response. No, but as you as you as, as you're working out the system, I must admit that you have put me slightly on the board. To no, I know, I know. I'm not, I know. As you I'm work out the system, you figure out the ways to make sure they are fairly representative. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not in any way trying to limit their representation. No, 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 no I know what you're saying. My point is in if you, and I don't mean it in a anti-handicap way, but you take the ten people who are all. Um, what you would deem as the stereotypical person yeah, is how you take it off of it. Mm. So you would allot votes. So you could have someone who's really, really interested in politics and wants to be wants to get up to their vote of being worth six, but they're not actually that intelligent. They can still get involved. They can still discuss politics. And they can still improve, they can their, still their, improve their, their knowledge of it where they could possibly get up another little point or another little point. But it means that the people who actually understand what is going All on... The and that, and I kind economics. of guess that's what... Plato's, uh, sorry, Aristotle's philosopher kings were, and the whole thing around Plato's Republic and everything. Well, in general, philosopher kings uh, and Plato's Republic was all about that certain people would be are a class of people who would vote. Now the problem is, and this is what most people find with Plato's Republic quite repugnant, is that he espoused strict eugenics and things like that, and that's almost where your system would then stop. I wouldn't have and, eugenics, and where Plato's Republic kind of takes another way. Now yes. I don't agree with that in modern days. 
But I can understand why he thought of it back then because it really was slaves and yeah. citizens. But my, my system eventually gets to a perfect democracy where you have people who are who fully understand and all have the same yeah. word. But I wouldn't say it's quite perfect. Some people are still going to have their voices not Limited. as loud as others. So, yeah. And so is that a but, problem for democracy and everything? Yeah, I think that's a problem for politics in general. It's necessary that some people's voices will always be worth less than others because it's just not possible to represent everybody. Can I, can I put forward an argument of that? towards you in a slightly dumbed down version not in for you but for the thing of because our listeners are idiots <laughs> <laughs> so if, if, if you're saying that some people don't have their voice listened to as others yeah if you're in a room of children you're in a room with nine children well, there's you yeah. and nine children say i want to set that on fire well, democracy lets them do that where you as a responsible yeah, adult oh no it's more true. that's a good analogy you go no we're not going to do that yeah well it's necessary for some people obviously like children but say because if they was... can't understand. But, but is it not necessary for people who understand they do live in the... who understand politics and understand how to run an economy or how what might be best for someone to kind of go? I know you would like to do that, but that's not going to be good for you in the long run. That's going to limit no, one of your opportunities. It's definitely an argument. Yeah, I think I think that's a very good argument, a very good analogy, well brought analogy. Is that Actually, if if you were to boil it down to something very simple as I'm going to like set this, I'm going to set the house on fire because then it'd be funny. Nine kids versus the one adult who goes, yeah, let's put the matches away because we actually quite like living in the house, and you know, and that's that again is the one problem with democracy is that it can dismantle itself. So I think that's a, a massive negative, and we've spent about twenty minutes getting to this one negative, but the negative is that. In terms of, it doesn't matter who can vote, how many people turn out, how many people are in your society. The problem is that democracy often can unwind itself. And that's and I think that's proof of now. It's not canon, I believe it ultimately does. Yeah, moderate now. Moderate democracies across the world have become more and more and more dumbed down in terms of that you can't, we don't expect voters to do anything. We're quite happy when we get 35% turnout. And overall, political and societal um, involvement is at a record low. And that's because people don't care. Yeah. And I think that's a wider plague of society more than anything. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's necessarily democracy. No, no it's not necessarily it. democracy's fault at all. I think that's just a byproduct of it. Yeah, I think it's always going to happen because some people are always going to have more influence than us. Well, I think that's a, another good thing to, to obviously... Plato's criticism of democracy was about mob rule. So that you can, you could be the unlucky one who gets stuck in the permanent minority. So, is democracy compatible with freedom? And I know we, I don't want to get into the semantic debate of what freedom is, but the broadly term of freedom, of being free in a political sense, does democracy allow you to be free whilst also taking away your freedom to live by your own rule? Before we start this debate, no one is going to mention Hayek. Yeah. <laughs> we are not going through positive and negative freedoms. Yeah. If you want Why? to find that out, you have to have a look on the internet. We are using that as an encompass of all freedom. Yeah. Um, Don't pull that crap on me, David. <laughs> does, democracy, like does the very act of giving everyone the ability to, fr to be free yeah, freedom deny the right of freedom obviously. to a lot of others? Yeah, you see the argument in America at the moment like a quite a distressing argument it's like you're taking away my rights to be bigoted and take away the rights of somebody else mm. and obviously sort of purely theoretically people's rights are going to clash and 
but on a practical level, at some point, governance is going to have to say, this is where we're like drawing a boundary. This is where we're making a compromise between this, you know, the right to be bigoted towards somebody and the right to not be so the right to freedom of speech on. towards the right to shout fire in a crowded yeah. cinema is or the classic. Or a black man a n word. Yeah, it's the right for you to stretch, walk with your arm outstretched, and the right of me not to be hit in the face by it. And that's where you think the state would sit in that theoretical middle ground. You could yeah. you could say it's some kind of a, a principle of like harm. Yeah, a, yeah, a harm principle. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to for it again, but. For me, democracy and freedom, no. No, like, I don't think any other structure would necessarily be more free. Because you're always going to have to make compromises. Because you're always going to have to have laws of, like, I may want to stab you right now, but nobody's going to allow that. Or you could accept that a lack of freedom is inevitable in any system. Yeah. But it pick the be. one that gives the best people that it can freedom and the people that don't need as much freedom no i would freedom. say i would say it's more you give the most amount of people the biggest opportunity to be free so yours and would have their voice yours heard. would be cons- uh, consequentialist in a broad sense which is the the overall say if we were to give everyone one num, num the number one and like as many people as we can get that number one is better than giving a thousand people ten mm. and giving another thousand people zero you would think that as long as everyone had one and we got the same outcome, it would be better that everyone had the chance to have a little bit of freedom rather than a very few limited amount of people have a lot of freedom. I would agree with that, yeah. yeah. Or you need to get as close as possible to having everyone have one. Yeah. But obviously so some people will have approach, like two and yeah. one. Some you, people will have a half. Because you'd rather take the, the, there's, there's a quantitative amount of freedom that's better than a qualitative amount of freedom. So... Yeah. And that's kind of that's linked to a lot of things in terms of like the state and freedom and like it's um, the harm principle and the state of nature is that you'd rather everyone had the chance to at least have a little bit of freedom and security and democratic ability rather than say ten people have the ability to autocratically rule and everyone else has no ability to be. Yeah, that's fair enough. If you're building it up from the very bottom, state you have the state of nature. You obviously everyone sacrifices some of their some unlimited freedom, freedom yeah. to have a government to have yeah. some kind of structure. Well, that's if you agree with Hobbes. But yeah, but I think we, I mean, we, we, we we're going all agree with Hobbes. Yeah, I don't think we can disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, but if we're building it up from there, you have the state someone of nature, unlimited freedom. Um, you give up some of your freedoms so you, someone doesn't have the freedom to kill you. So yeah. you have a bit of security. So there's fruit. You they still are free to kill you, securities, but, but obviously you have assurances that they won't. Yeah. Uh, well, a defence. Yeah. But then going up, going back to the thing that I love of the uh, French Revolution again. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, are a... you? Is that a baguette? That's <laughs> a baguette. Put away that guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me. <laughs> it's been wanted to be used a couple of times recently. There's a universal uh, rights of man, which was basically everyone has these minimum freedoms. Yeah, everyone the has Magna this. Car- Magna yeah. Carta yeah. as well, which but was, there was deemed that people had certain rights under the king that they couldn't be encroached. Exactly. So. But there was a view of that of them. Well, there's certain freedoms that we can't, we're not protecting, or there's certain freedoms we're infringing upon. There was a lot of debate about what should go into it. So obviously, it was a very highly contested what should be in the universal rights of man. Yeah. Um, there was a group in Nice that made the argument of everyone should have the freedoms that they want to have and they should give up the freedoms 
that the state tells them they should give up, which was very paradoxical, but there was a view of, I set out my freedoms, you tell me what freedoms I can't have. And yeah. then you give up those ones. So there's the freedom, like, I'm, I can't go and kill you mm. if for no apparent reason. Um, but the view of freedom going from like, the French Revolution view was, we need to make sure everyone is free, but no one is too free that they can infringe everyone yeah, else's freedom through their freedom. It is, is Locke's arm principle yeah. at the end of the day, and Mill. It is, that's what it is at the end of the day. But it's like, I know we've discussed it earlier, but if freedom and democracy is it's the... Yeah, democracy it, can be the yeah, same yeah. as a dictatorship of 100 people decide that 99 people only shoot in the head. Yeah. yeah, but my argument would be it gives the most amount of people the opportunity not so to say, be yeah, dictated in, in, in to, basically. So say, in a society basically. of, say, 100, let's just do it, break it down, of 100 people, Fish's idea is that if we could give all 100 people a vote, and even if 51 of them decided to kill off the other 49, that would be better than giving 10 people the vote to kill the other 90. Or to, yeah. Because even though you still end up with a mass loss of life and you end up in an undemocratic state afterwards, you've given enough people well, the opportunity to be democratic. There's an idea called responsible freedom, which is where if you have 10 people who have freedom and 90 don't, they're, they're put in the society with the view that it's your job to look after their freedoms. Mm. So obviously it's, it's a quite a dictatorial freedom, but it's freedom in a sense. Like you will be free. <laughs> you will be free. You yeah. have you will have these rights. You yeah. will not cross these rights. Yeah. And it's a very strange paradox. It is sense, kind of weird but... that is that you're given these rights and you're expected to want them. Like you, you're yeah. like you it's have like to be free. You, you're born and then it's just well, it's like you've got to defend all these people you don't even know. Well, that was actually just as an aside. I just remember something I heard about. Do you remember when the, the baby with the royal baby was born? Yeah. And someone like emailed into a radio show and went, "I can't believe this baby's being forced to be a head of state. Like, why can't it not be a head of state?" And I was like, "Actually, he's got a really good point. He's been born into a position of privilege where he won't have to work really a day in his life, but." What, he's he actually want being that life? denied freedoms by being given even more freedoms than everyone else. Yeah, and that's like a that was like mini mind blow. Mind blow. I was like, oh my god! But it was like he's actually being given the ability to have pretty much unlimited money, do what he wants, have whatever job he wants, live a life of luxury, live you know do but whatever that's he wants. Because but he's being given those freedoms, and it's actually infringing on his own freedom to choose what he wants the life he wants. Yeah, yeah. I, I perfectly agree with that. But it's going back to my argument of sometimes you have to tell children what they're doing. Yeah. Are you going to be told you're going to be a head of state and he's going to grow up thinking that's the only thing why he exists, which so in reality is what they are. In that case, is democracy actually good for freedom? No. Uh, I think it's the best available for freedom. No, it's I'm the not best. Sure it's... it's the best at constraining anar- freedoms to protect freedoms. Would anarchy not be? True anarchy be the best form well, of freedom. You could argue that, yeah. But uh, it's that, other... anarch- an anarchist state anarchy. is a hundred percent free. Democ- yeah. A democratic state is a state that constrains some of your freedoms, free. constrains one percent of your freedoms to protect ninety nine percent of it. So that, it's not the yeah, most that's, free. That's really what I meant to say. I think it's the best at protecting you by infringing some freedoms, but in other ways, obviously, that makes you free. Yeah. In yeah. certain other ways, like not getting the problem started. with the, the state of nature or true anarchy is that you're also free to get slashed to pieces by someone who jumps you when you're out foraging in a cave, or 
you're free to be ganged up upon by five other people who then steal all your food and leave you in a ditch. But technically, that is freedom, isn't it? Ne- it is, even yeah. I'm not using the Isaiah Berlin positive and negative freedom. I'm saying like even a negative freedom, like the freedom to starve, is actually in a. And it, I don't agree with it, but it sounds it sounds wrong. But it is actually a freedom that you should have. Yeah, it's, it's like, a natural freedom. Definitely. Yeah, it's because that's well, what no, I disagree with that one because as human beings, you don't for your survival, you don't want to starve. So you don't have the free. You have the freedom to what starve you, yourself, yeah. Well, yeah, but you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. You should. You should be. It's a, oh God, I'm getting into this. You've dragged me into <laughs> it. You what? You should be free from starvation, but you have the freedom to starve yourself if, for some strange reason, you, you were going to be tortured. Others would argue that some people should be free to starve so that they can become even stronger. Sort of like a Darwin's evolution theory or the Republican Party. <laughs> I think of we've gone. I think we've gone so far down a track now that we're never ever going to get back. That democracy yeah. is a very very small light in a very very dark yeah. tunnel. So I think what yeah. we've decided is democracy is compatible with freedom in some sense, but it, what it actually has to do is limit your freedom to be listened to in the in you know have all your views pandered to, and it does that to everyone. So it actually means that you're not completely free in a democracy. But do we think? I mean, I don't think it's going to give you the most amount of freedom because I don't agree that freedom is a right. And that sounds really, that does sound like being a Nazi. What I'm actually meaning is like, I don't think that you have the right unless you prove it or show that you want to do something with that right, that you should just be it's, given no, unlimited. I understand what you say. It's, it's the right versus the responsibilities. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. That, yeah. Obviously, the way it is now, rights have trumped responsibility yeah there is or people have just basically forgotten about responsibility yeah and i I don't want to sound like a daily mail reader but you know there's people who come who come into the country or who come to the country or say to people oh that's my human right but they never do anything to help the society or perpetuate or improve themselves or improve others around them but it's like you've taken all the benefits of society but you've not given anything back so in a roundabout way i think democracies can actually allow that you know people are free to be completely apathetic but take all the benefit from being in the democracy and having their mm. views listened to whilst yeah. being apathetic at the same time. But in my personal opinion, the most amount of people should have their voice listened to. I think democracy offers the best chance of that happening, basically. I would like to I believe just... in humans more than you do. <laughs> no, I, I don't it's not that I don't have faith in humanity. I do have faith in humanity. I just wrote off three generations. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Morons. I definitely agree with you. The fact that people need to be responsible and the state needs to be responsible. I mean, and also the the state at the moment, especially in Britain, are we represented by any mainstream party? No, I don't. I don't think we are. But I think it would be impossible to represent our views in a mainstream party because they're not mainstream. Well, and ultimately, if true. they were elected, they'd probably dissolve. The, the democracy. Oh, my first thing would be guillotine Buckingham Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Wouldn't. Can we sum up then? So. Yeah. Oh, I'd have I'd have one more okay, point actually. There is sort of the spectre of economics lying right over the top of it, which would which probably cap- have to be a. It is the next episode. Which would be capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in general. But yeah, you if also. If I wanted to put picture. forward my main worldview, it will have to involve a lot of economics, basically. Yeah. Because obviously the big civilizations, whilst the world has sort of grown up, basically, all the big ones have just had the most money. Yeah. I mean, they've organised themselves in a certain way where it's more 
they make themselves more efficient and they make their people more happy go and beat up the people who are not efficient and then we also take their land and say as Adam once coined in one 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 episode of This Week in Lies, you're using the pound, get over it. <laughs> Which is classic, and I always think about that now. But it's like, it is classic sort of colonial power. And yeah, yeah. That's, and that itself can perpetuate political systems that aren't actually good for people. Yeah, but so I would argue economics has there's possibly a, even more influence on how free you are than... There's than another, there's another episode coming. Yeah, yeah. Intrepid, intrepid listener. So when you uh, finish this one, you can listen to that as well. But in summation... The question that we have tried to answer, and I don't think we have answered it, but I think the more thing is, is about the discussion about what it is. So the question that we said was, is democracy a good thing? And I think... If we were to have a vote. Yeah, that would... Democratic vote. That would sound like a a perfectly good way to close the episode. So Fish, what is your vote for democracy? Is it good or bad? I would say it is good. And you would like to keep it or get rid of it? I would like to keep it. I think it's bad, and I would like to get rid of it. I don't want to vote. Jeez. What? Exactly. I'm ruining democracy. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've got to have some kind of weird hybrid half-democracy power <laughs> Welcome to the coalition. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, in summation, democracy is a good idea if you like the idea of universal suffrage. <clears throat> I think that is... Something we should all strive towards. And they're a bad idea if you... And there's a bad idea if you don't believe that people are worthy of universal suffrage. So if you disagree with universal suffrage. Yeah. And I think one thing that me and Adam have tried to say is that I don't think we're anti-democratic forever. It'll be that when people... And this sounds really high and mighty, and it does sound like we're sitting on an ivory tower, but when the general public do reach a level of political and social awareness... That they can make and you know differentiate between propaganda and you know political talk. I think then we'd be more comfortable to say, yeah, okay, democracy is a good thing because everyone who is tuned in can have a vote. But at the moment, I don't think that's there. And my argument, counter argument, be that's not <laughs> democracy's fault. That's your your argument. Mainstream is politics. Fault. Your argument is that democracy, regardless of the qualitative state of it, is about the quantitative ability of giving everyone a vote and. The thing we need to change is the societal way we do things. Pretty much, yeah. The yeah. method, not the actual well, theory. Theory, yeah. basically. And just to end the episode, I think Robespierre had a point. Right. Guillotine well. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway... Um, We'll be coming back hopefully within a couple of weeks with the next episode, which we hope will be either economics or capitalism. We can't decide, um, but we'll we'll sort that out. And we maybe via democratic means will. Uh, we'll sort put a out. T-shirt out. Whichever you buy more of, we'll. Uh, <laughs> that episode will also be a lot more shouty and probably depressing. Yeah, and um, look forward to that. Keep your eyes uh, peeled on the iTunes. Also, we're looking at hopefully launching a blog in the next couple of weeks, but we're doing these fairly big, chunky episodes, so they might not come along for a while. You can get in touch with us, as usual, on Twitter, which is at This Week in Lies, or via um, email, which is thisweekinliesoutlook.com. And all that is left for us to say is thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you soon from the host myself, Ben, from David. Goodbye. And from Adam. Bye. See you later!